I can invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes this morning from the book of Acts, chapter 16, and I'm reading verses 11 through 15. We sailed from Troas straight for Samothrace and came to Neapolis the following day. From there we went to Philippi, a city of Macedonia's first district and a Roman colony. We stayed in that city several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the riverbank where we thought there might be a place for prayer. We sat down and began to talk with the women who had gathered. One of those women was Lydia, a Gentile God worshiper from the city of Thyatira, a dealer in purple cloth. As she listened, the Lord enabled her to embrace Paul's message. Once she and her household were baptized, she urged, Now that you have decided that I am a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. It's good to be here with you all this morning as we're continuing our sermon series that we started last week where we're looking at some of the women from the Bible, from the Old and New Testaments, and the many ways that we see that each of them model faithfulness. This morning we're going to be looking for the New Testament as we've just read from the book of Acts at a woman named Lydia. We first read of Lydia in Acts chapter 16 and chapter 16 in the book of Acts is the portion in Acts where, where Luke, the author of this book, shifts his focus. If you'll remember from reading Acts, the first 15 chapters or so, Luke focuses on Paul, but he also focuses on the ministry of Peter. He talks about the apostle James, who's stationed in Jerusalem. He chronicles the martyrdom of Stephen and lets us know what happens in the early church. But in Acts 16, the book shifts to where the focus of, of the whole writing and of what is happening really turns to the apostle Paul. And so up to this point, we've read of Paul's ministry that was shared with Barnabas. But in Acts 15... Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement that's up there on the screen. They're deciding where they should travel next. They finished their first apostolic journey. It has been successful, and uh, now they're arguing on whether or not they should return to the places as they have already been in order to, to check on the churches that exist and also to strengthen them. But there's also another sticking point that's probably the more significant one, and that's that Paul and Barnabas couldn't agree on whether or not they should allow a young man named John Mark to join them on the trip. Now here's where it gets sticky. John Mark is a cousin of Barnabas. So this isn't just a disagreement, but it's family, right? So he had abandoned them on their first missionary journey. And he had gone home, and Paul was very critical of that and said, why would we take him? Barnabas felt like they should give him a second choice or a second chance. And so the scripture tells us their argument became so intense that Paul and Barnabas went their separate ways. And so after Barnabas left, Paul chose Silas, another apostle, and he left. Entrusted by the brothers and sisters to the Lord's grace. And the scripture says he traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And this is the beginning of what we read of Paul's second missionary journey. But also in the book of Acts chapter 16 is when we begin to follow primarily the ministry of Paul. Paul also picks up another traveling companion. The scripture tells us he goes to Lystra and then Darby. And there he picks up a young man, a young Christian, who was born a Gentile. He was Greek, and his name was Timothy. 
And he joins Paul on his missionary journey. And we read of Timothy throughout the rest of the book of Acts. And then the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy and the epistles are also letters that are credited that Paul wrote to him. And so these three men went everywhere. And it says in the scripture, everywhere they went, the church was strengthened in faith and in every day their numbers flourished. And so as Paul and his traveling companions continued, they continued through that part of Asia Minor where their ministry was focused and they went to different places and communities. Although the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit kept them from speaking the word in the province of Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them. And so they kept trying to go into these other portions of Asia Minor, but the spirit of God wouldn't allow them to go. I don't know how that works. Maybe they were struck mute or for whatever reason as they were going, things happened that kept them going there. I don't know. But their intent was to continue ministry in Asia Minor in this region and in these regions that they had been in ministry. But the Holy Spirit kept them from going there. And the book of Acts chapter 16 tells us that Paul had a vision that told him what was to happen next. It says, a vision of a man from Macedonia came to Paul during the night. He stood urging to Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. So immediately after this vision, we prepared to leave. We is, is Luke. So Luke has now joined Paul and Silas and Timothy. So now we're reading the book of Acts with his firsthand account of the four of them and their ministry and what's happening. And so Luke says, immediately after he, Paul, saw the vision, we prepared to leave for the province of Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. And so Paul and his companions, as you can see from the map, they're over here to my right in Asia Minor. They've been through Antioch and Darby and Lystra is where they picked up Timothy. They've gone through these other churches that they've been to, and now they're in Troas, and they have to get on a ship in order to travel over to Macedonia. And so they land in Neapolis, which is right there on the shore, and then they go inland about 10 miles, 10 to 12 miles, which was the major city of Philippi. Philippi is also on major trade routes. It's a significant city in biblical times and in ancient times. It was a Roman colony, which also lets us know that, that it was a city of importance for even the Roman Empire, a regional hub of what they were doing and of what was going on. Graphically north of Greece, this is a Roman city. They're independent, they're not Macedonian, although they're in the, the, the geographical region of Macedonia. So the first thing that this is important for us to see as students of the Bible and as people who are following along with the ministry of Paul is it tells us that this is the first entrance that we know of as it's documented in Scripture of the gospel of Jesus Christ leaving the Middle East and Asia Minor and crossing over into Europe. So Philippi is the first European location to encounter the gospel of Jesus. And so if you picture in your mind the gospel of Jesus going to Philippi and then it branched outward into all of the rest of Europe as we know it. So Paul and his crew entered this city and they spend some days waiting and they're waiting for the Sabbath. Because Philippi was a Gentile city. It was a Greek city, it was a Roman city, and it didn't have a, a synagogue. And so initially, if you read in earlier portions of the book of Acts, or even later portions of the book of Acts, whenever Paul goes into a city, the first place he goes is the synagogue. 
Because he knew that if he could connect with some who were followers of, of the Jewish faith, and if he was able to connect with them and present to them the gospel, that his ministry and his message would be more well-received as the ministry branched out of the synagogue and the Jewish committee out into the Gentile community. But there's not one in Philippi. And so he knew that by tradition, the women would gather in a place where they would spend time in prayer on the Sabbath day. And this is where Paul and Silas and Timothy and now Luke introduce us to this woman named Lydia as they've gathered to pray. Luke writes, On the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. So there's this group of women that meet every Sabbath day, and they spend time in prayer with one another outside of the city along the riverbank. Now, knowing how Paul has preached and reading his ministry and his message to others and other portions of the book of Acts, I think we can assume that we know what Paul explained to them and told them, can't we? Is it Paul talked to them about God? Paul talked to them about Jesus being the Messiah and God sending his son. Paul talked to them about Jesus' death through crucifixion. And then they also shared with them the message of the resurrection. And so what they tried to do, as we've read time and time again in the book of Acts and in the letters, is that they shared how God had fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies and promises. And they've given them the message and shown them how Jesus is the key to salvation. And so the scripture tells us that Lydia responded. That she heard the message of Jesus Christ and her heart was changed. In fact, the scripture tells us that she heard uh, the Lord enabled her to embrace Paul's message. And so Luke writes this. One of those women was Lydia, a Gentile God worshiper from the city of Thyatira, a dealer in purple cloth. As she listened, the Lord enabled her to embrace Paul's message. So this group of women, Lydia, is the first named European to hear of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to believe. Lydia is also important because Luke gives us some other clues and details about her. She was a Gentile God worshiper. So this is someone who worships the monotheistic God of Israel. This is someone who, who reads the Torah and who practices the Jewish faith, although she never officially became part of the Jewish community. So basically, she was seeking God, she worshiped God, she prayed in community with others, but she had not yet made the decision or made the action to convert. Luke also tells her this, that he was a de she was a dealer in purple cloth from Thyatira. All right, true purple cloth, as, as Cindy shared in our children's time, was dyed by a dye called Tyrian dye. It was derived by the shell of a mollusk called the, called the murex. Uh, production of this dye was centered in the ancient Phoenician city of Tyre in modern-day Lebanon, and I found this in history.com. It says, It became exceedingly rare that it became its worth its weight in gold. To harvest it, dye makers had to crack open the snail's shell, extract a purple-producing mucus, and expose it to sunlight for a precise time. It took as many as 250,000 snails to yield just one usable ounce of dye. 
but the result was a vibrant and long-lasting shade of purple. That certainly gives us a better understanding of why this dye is valuable, doesn't it? The article later read that it said that a pound of this purple wool dyed with this dye cost more than what most people made in a year in New Testament times. Different governments at different times, the Roman government, the, the Byzantines, they had laws that ordinary people could not even wear clothing that was made out of the cloth that was dyed from this dye because they reserved it for royalty and for others of importance. So what does this tell us about Lydia, though? It tells us she's wealthy and that she's connected and she engaged in trade throughout the re region. And then it tells us something else. It says at the end of this portion of Scripture that we read today is that now, where she said, now that you have decided I am a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house. So not only did Lydia become a believer, but she was able to welcome Paul and Silas into her home putting herself commercially at risk, putting herself potentially at odds with her community as she associated herself now with this movement that was called the way, or we call it the Christian faith today. But she did. And if you read through the book of Acts and continue reading, she allowed her ministry, her support of Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke are what enabled them to stay in Philippi and to engage in ministry and to spread the gospel. She provided a foundation or a place from which they were able to base what they were doing. She became the host of the first Christian community there. And so her ministry, her ministry was helping. It was equipping. It was preparing Paul and Silas for their missionary journey to continue even as she helped to seed the Philippian church, even as she helped to support Paul and Silas when we read in Acts chapter 17 where they are thrown in prison and they are in shackles. Lydia can be remembered for her generosity, for her faith, and for her action. See, if we read Lydia's story and if we see how faithful she is, it's because she heard the call of Jesus. And she felt the need for, for finding something greater in her life, in terms of meaning and in terms of, of what her life meant to her. And so she sought it out. And as God prepared her for that moment, for that time when she was to hear the gospel and, and to respond with faith and belief, she was ready and here's where her story applies to ours. It is because she was seeking and Paul and Silas were willing to go and seek out others for the gospel of Jesus. She was willing to look, to search, to find something that she knew in her heart was missing. So that when she heard the gospel, when she received that that Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy were bringing, well then her heart was prepared and her heart was ready for her to hear the sacrifice that Jesus had made on her behalf and for her to find out about the life that God offers each of us through the resurrection. See, Lydia wasn't met in a synagogue. She wasn't met in a house of worship or even on a street. She was met on the riverbank 
which reminds us that, that we can seek God not just in this place, but in every place. And that God can enable and equip and prepare us to hear His Word, to hear His message of hope and grace, and to receive that gift wherever we are at and whenever we are ready. Amen.